John. All right. Good morning. Grace and peace be with every one of you. Whether you've been here literally all your life, or this may be your first week here at Metamore Midnight, welcome. It is good to be together. This past Wednesday, we had our um, Ash Wednesday service, which marks uh, the beginning of the Lenten season, our journey towards the cross and resurrection. Our theme on Wednesday was God makes room in our hearts. God makes room in our hearts. And our overall theme for Lent this year will be uh, Blessed Hunger, Holy Feast. Um, and uh, Deb has prepared a table up here, and uh, each week this table will, will uh, change. Uh, there will be something new on it or something uh, placed differently. And there's a bowl here to, to represent hunger. And then, you know, as we have our, our story from Scripture today, Jesus responds by quoting scripture, um, and so kind of, you know, feeding on the word of God kind of, kind of idea this morning. So each week that will, that will change. Um, so to begin with, uh, every Lent season, oh, let me go back. I, it's so blessed hunger, holy feast is the, uh, is the, is the uh, theme for Lent this year. So today as we begin, as with every Lent, uh, Jesus in the desert with the tempter, with the tempter, okay, uh, for 40 days. Uh, no doubt, if you've grown up in church, you're familiar with this story because it begins every Lent season. Um, and I'd like to bring two main thoughts or two main ideas today. Let me look at them on the screen. Um, God delivers and temptation reveals. I debated whether it should be temptation reveals and God delivers, but I chose this way, so it's all good. So two, two main ideas, two, two main thoughts uh, this morning. So let's start with God delivers. It's important to remember that God is deeply committed, deeply committed to the well-being of his children. Let me just, let me just sit with that thought. God is deeply committed to the well-being of his children. God is faithful. This reality then opens up the possibility of freedom. Freedom to trust. Freedom to confess which we will do a bunch in this Lent season, freedom to experience and freedom to even anticipate God's saving work, okay? God's saving work in our lives. Now there, um, as we look at the four gospel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one carries a little bit of a nuance of, of how they portray Jesus. And it's in the gospel of Luke, according to Luke, um, Luke doesn't really allow Jesus to hover above the complexities of the world, untouched by realities of suffering. For Luke, Jesus is far too real, okay? He is perfectly incarnate with all the suffering, the hunger, and the pressure of being human. His ministry is embedded in systems that resist Jesus' words. His ministry is full of characters who who pressure him to abandon his commitments, to abandon his mission. And our story today, this text from Luke 4, uh, lends itself to the reality of the, human the humanity of Jesus. Okay? So our story begins of Jesus and deserts and his temptation. Okay. I, I have nothing else of comedic value. And that, and that probably wasn't even... <laughs> All right. 
So Jesus, yeah, deserts in the desert. No, no, the deserts, not deserts, okay? Uh, okay, let's go on. So Jesus, uh, let's start on the text. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. First, I want to notice this left the Jordan. Well, what happened in the Jordan? Well, Jesus was baptized there. This is significant, and we'll return to this baptism idea in just a moment. But I think it's important to note that Jesus is here full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Luke likes this phrase. Luke uses it 12 times in, the, in his gospel and uh, the book of Acts combined, 12 times. Do you know how many times the other gospel writers use it? Zero. Luke is the only one to say full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. And when Luke mentions it, mentions this being full of the Holy Spirit, it usually marks a time of great spiritual intensity. Spiritual intensity that's about to go down. It's about to happen, right? So, and it's about to go down in the desert, right? So, also of note, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't record in this gospel or any of the gospels. The Spirit doesn't turn to Jesus and say, well, I've led you here. I'll be back in about 40 days. Good luck. Hopefully, hopefully all goes well. Uh, no, no, the Holy Spirit does not do that. The Holy Spirit remained. The Holy Spirit remained with Jesus for the 40 days to help lead him, to help guide him. And so it will be with us in these 40 days in the season of Lent. May we be alive. May we be awakened um, to the Holy Spirit who desires to lead us and guide us in this season as well. So this wilderness, a time of hardship, a time of trial, a time of testing for Jesus. Now what happens to Jesus, and I, I think Randall uh, referred to it earlier, what happens with Jesus is, is a mirror of what happens to Israel in the wilderness from the days of old. Jesus is 40 days, Israel's 40 years wandering in the desert, um, hardship and desolation. Like the Israelites, Jesus, too, will be hungry. Jesus will also be hungry. Blessed hunger, holy feast. So let's go to the temptation. Not the band, the group, the Okay, that wasn't funny either. And move on, Eric. Uh, the first one is about food, but it's not really about food. It's not really about food. But we see that Jesus is hungry, and the tempter knows this. The tempter knows that he is hungry. He says, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. If you are the son of God. This calls to mind for me the mockers at the cross. What do they say? If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Right? The tempter suggests, the tempter suggests Jesus to turn a stone into bread and to feed himself. This would be similar to Israel in the wilderness, a demand for both manna and water. Israel in the wilderness is found to be unfaithful. However, Jesus is found to be faithful. With this first uh, temptation, I can resonate. I don't know about you. Um, sometimes I hunger for things that simply do not satisfy. Anyone? Can I get a witness? All right. Sometimes I hunger for things that simply don't satisfy. We all, we've all experienced this reality of wilderness, restlessness, boredom, hunger, 
We've all experienced this at some level, right? And I haven't been able to turn any stone into bread. That's just something I'm not gifted with. I've never been able to do that. But I've sought to feed my emptiness, and I've sought to feed my hunger with things that simply are not life-giving. Just a small piece of something to satisfy the moment. Perhaps even aware that I know this is not what God desires in this moment. Just give me that, that little piece of bread to satisfy the emptiness and the hunger. With Jesus' response, Jesus answered, It is written, just one quote, it is written, okay? Man shall not live on bread alone. The hunger of Jesus is like the hunger of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. Jesus, however, doesn't transcend the hunger. Here we see that Jesus actually embraces the hunger. He could have satisfied and said, okay, I'm, no, I'm not hungry anymore. But he actually embraces the hunger. This is, this is. So if we were to keep score, Jesus won, tempter zero. Okay, we're keeping score today, right? Jesus won, tempter zero, right? So the second temptation, in a nutshell, is about power. A specific power, worldly power. The devil led him up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Some think that that may be past and future even. But in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. Bless you. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. The tempter here isn't go, it, here, the tempter is going into some great length about how powerful the, he is, right? Dangling this authority and splendor in front of Jesus. Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus answered and says, it is written. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This temptation mirrors um, Israel's demand for an earthly king. Israel's demand for an earthly king. So this invitation to power and authority, it's a worldly kind of power and authority, a power of dominance, a conquering kind of power, and Jesus simply is not interested. But it causes me to ask a question. It's like, what, what if Jesus would have said yes to this one? Right? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't the world be a better place if Jesus was leading all the kingdoms? Like, come on, <laughs> right? Um, if he would have happened to say yes to this temptation, but he doesn't. He doesn't give in. He doesn't follow what the tempter is wanting him to do. So if you're keeping score, Jesus too, tempter zero. And then finally, moving into this final temptation, um, it's about sort of a religious power, if you will. The tempter brings to him to the pinnacle of the temple, and he opens with another conditional clause. If, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Okay? Now, the tempter says, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, a little different, it is said, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. 
So Luke, as he's explaining this, he phrases Jesus' quotation a bit different than before. Instead of saying, it has been written, he says, it has been said. Of course, the meaning, I think, is the same, um, you know, by putting it kind of a, it has a little bit less formal way of saying it is written. But perhaps, you know, the tempter is quoting scripture here, right? We can use scripture to kind of get our way and justify anything, can't we? So that's what the tempter is doing. Jesus, or the tempter is quoting scripture. Jesus is not, that I think his response is, I'm not going to say it is written and sort of respond at the same level as the tempter. This response refers to, uh, can refer to the Israelites' questioning of the Lord. Was the Lord actually um, in their midst? And was the Lord going to help them in the desert? Is God going to deliver and protect Israel? Is God going to deliver, you know, as he throws himself and rescue him? Is God going to deliver his son and rescue his son? So I don't mean to sound this morning like this isn't Jesus versus the Jews. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. It, but it is, it is a modeling for us. It's a modeling for us on how to respond to temptation. Back to the scoreboard. Hebrews 3, tempter 0. So sort of in summary about this whole God delivers. So in each moment, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. When temptation comes, he fully relies on the Holy Spirit and resists the, temple, the, the, the tempter, and God delivers him. God delivers him. He provides. In Matthew's account of the story, angels even come to minister to Jesus when the tempter leaves. It's not recorded here in Luke, but we know this from, from Matthew. So God is faithful. He delivers. He saves us from choosing a path that would lead inevitably towards destruction. God is faithful. God delivers. So, so far, what I've shared this morning uh, is kind of maybe even just a traditional approach to this text. Uh, Jesus over, overcame temptations in the wilderness, and we are to emulate his example, to rely on God, for he is faithful and he delivers. We are to be like Jesus and just say no. Just say no when temptation comes. This is, the, this is you know, the Lenten journey for many of us. Saying no to temptations, sacrifice, giving things up until Easter where we, where we can eat chocolate again, right? So that's sort of this season of sacrifice, of giving up, going without. But maybe there's more. Maybe there's more here. It isn't so simple. Uh, maybe there's more to discover, perhaps a different way altogether to engage the text. So I don't know about you, but I have some questions surrounding this story. Here's a question. Why, why on earth, why, why does the Holy Spirit lead Jesus to the desert? Why? You ever just kind of ponder that? And not only that, to lead him into temptation. What is, what is, the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. But the Holy Spirit leads him to the, to the desert, where there's going to be what? Temptation. This is interesting. I, I, you know, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I can't say, propose 
I know that I, I don't know the answer, right? So, does the Holy Spirit know that the temp, tempter will be waiting for Jesus? Uh, why not lead him to a beach or something, right? He can fast and he can pray in a more welcoming, comfortable environment. Anyone? Yeah, I mean, lead me to, you know, <laughs> just the key or something. I, you know, wh- wherever your place is, wherever your happy place is, why not there? Um, another question is, are these temptations that Jesus experiences experienced, um, are they simply a pop quiz from his father, testing his son's love and devotion? Is that what this is about, these temptations? Are temptations that we experience simply a way of God keeping score? Is that the reason for these? What if in the end, temptation, it's not about, judgment isn't the goal. What if, what if the goal of temptation was diagnostic? Maybe we can learn from them. Could it be that our temptation also has a role to play in our salvation? Temptation has a role to play for our wholeness, a role to play towards our restoration. Often, I don't know about you, but often when we think of temptation, we like to focus, um, the focus is on what we will do in response, what we will do in response to temptation. But are we willing, potentially, to let our temptation do something with us. I think that the tempter, without knowing it, without even knowing it, the tempter actually serves Jesus. He serves Jesus. And I think he can serve us as well through temptation. You're like, whoa. If you're confused, stay with me. I want to remind us that right before this story, Jesus left where? He left the Jordan. And this is the baptism story, right? And then immediately after this story, he, Jesus begins his public ministry, his teachings in his hometown of Nazareth. During the baptism, what happens? The heavens open up, and the Father claims and identifies Jesus as his own. You are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. This is what Jesus hears during his baptism. And we too can be awakened to this reality at our baptism as well. So after baptism, led into the wilderness. And Jesus' identity and relationship with his father were a given before he went into the wilderness. So when Jesus comes to his first temptation, saying yes or no, would not have any bearing on his sonship. Would not have any bearing on his belovedness. And has no bearing if God is well pleased or not. These are already the reality. They're already true. From the beginning. Jesus would not be able to earn more sonship. He is not able to earn more belovedness or earn more approval by saying no to these temptations. And the reality is, is that we can't either. 
By the same token, we will not be less sons or daughters. And we will not be less beloved if we happen to say yes to a temptation. So another question, if these temptations in the desert have no bearing on how God would see and relate to Jesus, and these temptations have no bearing on how God would see and relate to us, what are they there for then? What are they there for? Perhaps it's not a test. It's not a pop quiz. Testing our love and devotion. Perhaps these temptations are for Jesus' sake. Maybe they are to reveal to Jesus, or reveal how Jesus might see and understand himself. Remember the first temptation? If you are the Son of God, the tempter says, if you are the Son of God. So maybe it's not about bread. It's not a simple yes or no question. Maybe it's more about Jesus knowing himself and just who he is. Knowing what exactly? The truth of his sonship. The truth of his belovedness. Through this temptation in the wilderness. It's almost like now it's beginning to seep into Jesus' heart and seep into his very being, who he is and whose he is. So we can look at these temptations of Jesus as an avenue by which Jesus begins to understand his baptismal identity, an understanding of his true identity, who he really is and who he's becoming. So this tempter, this tempter actually serves Jesus. And these temptations begin to reveal something about Jesus, a truth about himself. Because no longer is it just words from the heavens. But it's now something that he's experiencing. It's a truth, and it's known. Now, after his time in the wilderness, Jesus goes where? He goes to, back to his hometown, and he's in the synagogue. And he, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. How does he know that? in this wilderness experience, right? Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So how did Jesus come to understand this? Well, it was formed in him through his wilderness experience. A declaration of who he is and what his mission will be. I have two pages, 11. I'll go with the first one. Could it be that our temptations and our wilderness experience can reveal what is deeply true in us? Question on the slide. Could these temptations, struggles, and wilderness experiences actually be invitations? Invitations toward wholeness, healing, and salvation. One of the Desert Fathers says it this way, St. Anthony says, without temptation, no one can be saved. So when it comes to temptation, if you're like me, I just want to bring focus to the things that are out there, that are sort of around me, right? The who, the what, the situation. Let's focus on the temptation. That person or this situation, or it's kind of out there when we look at temptation. Oh, if you just weren't around, <laughs> or if this situation wasn't here, I'd 
I wouldn't be tempted as much. We would always look outside. Perhaps when temptation comes, though, maybe the focus should be internal. Do our temptations say more about what is happening around us or more about what's going on within us? Because if it's a scoreboard thing, we're perhaps missing a deeper thing. Saying yes or no, a win or a loss, might be too simplistic. Temptation. Is it about the choice that we make while being tempted? Or is it about our identity and the direction our life is heading? Jesus in the desert is beginning to live into the spoken identity that he received at his baptism. This is time in the wilderness where he could really understand who he is and where his life is heading. Learning from his temptations, Jesus began to know himself to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, we too have wilderness experiences. Amen? Who am I? What is my life to be about? How will I get through this? In the wilderness, there always seems to be a voice that is quick to offer an answer, an idea, a way, perhaps even a shortcut. The tempter. This is what the tempter does. I like how uh, Nadia Boltz Weber uh, says it. She says, identity, it's always God's first move. Before we do anything wrong, before we do anything right, God has named and claimed us as God's own. But, most, but almost immediately, other things try to tell us who we are and to whom we belong. Capitalism, the weight loss industrial complex, our parents, kids at school, they all have a go at telling us who we are. But only God can do that. Next slide. Next slide, please. Everything else is temptation. Everything else is temptation. Maybe, let's get extra here, maybe demons are defined as anything other than God that tries to tell us who we are. So it is with us when we are in these wilderness seasons, the season of Lent. There could be a specific temptation that comes our way. And can we learn from that temptation? Can we learn from it? Let the temptation be our teacher. We can learn ways our life has become distorted and disconnected from our original, be our original beauty. We can learn from temptation and discover how we become disconnected from our original beauty. This is the false self. Do we give in to this? But we could also learn also what's true. Another thing that's true is as it could be a confirmation of our identity as sons and daughters of the divine. This is our true self. Do we live out of this when temptation comes? So as we gather here this morning, we're all different people. And we're all tempted. When we're, tempt when we're tempted, how we're tempted, it all varies. We have a various strength. Um, 
They're unique because they reveal what's inside of us. So whatever's going on inside of us is revealed and triggered by these external circumstances of temptation. Again, 12 times. 12 times Luke says, full of the Holy Spirit. This is what is inside Jesus. Jesus discovers this, and he, he lives through his wilderness experience, knowing, experiencing it. So temptation offers us something to be discovered. So we have to ask the question, what are you full of? What are you full of? in wilderness seasons it's not just you know temptation and sin and, and choosing the path that you're not supposed to go but in wilderness seasons there's other things that we deal with fear anxiety lack of trust it's just there's a lot there's a whole host of things that we have in wilderness experiences thinking about temptation, it's not about the people or the situations or the things. This is about discovering what fills and directs your life. What's going on in you? What do you see? This is diagnosis, not judgment. No one is keeping score because God isn't keeping score. I shouldn't keep score. Who are you? What direction is your life heading? These questions are hard to sit with. These temptations can serve us. They can serve us. They are like indicators, the little lights on your dashboard in your car that help you understand what's going on under the hood in the places that are unseen. Temptations can serve us in this way. So if we follow our temptations, take notice of them, allow them to reveal and to be our teacher. Perhaps the temptations are an opportunity for us to return, to return in this Lent season to who we truly are, the truth of who we are, whose we are as beloved sons and daughters of God. Let's pray. You can stand if you are able.